Welcome to Shaken and Stirred. It's a James Bond rewatch podcast for diehard double O's and franchise first timers alike. My name is Evan Atkinson, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Alex Doherty. Alex, how the hell are you? I'm doing so well tonight. We had a couple drinks. Yeah. Not too shaken. <laughs> no, just a little stirred. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm feeling great. I'm feeling excited to break some moons, see what the landscape looks like. You're we're getting into it quick. Y'all, we're watching Moonraker this time, 1979. So moon time. We're about to leave the 70s, our run that started with Diamonds Are Forever, and it's going to end with Moonraker. Funny enough, we ended the last movie with the title card, James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. Apparently, things changed, and they said, you know what would actually be really fun is if we did Moonraker instead. Yeah, I'm very intrigued on what whip wrong because i feel like they you can't call your shot like that it's it's wild of them to call that shot and then not do it right especially with the what the next the, the next one is for your eyes only but it, it also took a few years for both of them like that's a lot of years to fuck that up interesting i don't know i'm curious i've i've told you as i've told you many times i'm very excited to watch this one because this is the only one that I've actually read the book for. Bum, bum, bum. I read it four years ago at this point. So it's a little hazy. I read it in, in junior year of college. So maybe even longer than that, like five. And I'm pretty, from what I know of this movie, I think it diverges pretty immensely from the source material. Specifically, Alex got spoiled to what's going to happen in the movie. Because the poster is James Bond on a space station. Yep. We just know immediately he's in space. From what I remember from the book, no one goes to space. Whoa. So that's a pre- that's a big change. Could be a sign of your reading comprehension or could be a sign of just the director going, but for a while. I don't know. I'm curious. So we know that it's in space. We know that it's called Moonraker. You know that I've read the book. Mm-hmm. But that it's almost nothing like the book. Mm-hmm. Alex, what do you think Moonraker is about? Okay, so I think we're going to, we have already been to space, so it's going to have to be something unique. And what I think it's going to be... In, and James Bond hasn't been to space, though. No, he. I guess he's just dealt with people that have been do, eating up spaceships. Yes. But he himself has not been to space, that's a good call. So I think in this one, it might have something to do with satellite waves and I'm um, feeling taking over TVs or something like that. Mm. And I think in addition to being in space, they're going to be, when they're on Earth, I think they're going to be located in Spain. Spain. Spain, because it's a few letters away from space? You know what? No, but I, I actually think, I think that's how my brain works. Okay. <laughs> I'm now, now that I'm trying to make my prediction, I'm, I'm remembering a lot less of the book than I thought. I very distinctly remember James Bond in a high stakes game of Baccarat and them talking about Baccarat as though I would know how to play the game. Yeah. And though I fast forwarded pretty quickly through that part of the book with my eyes, <laughs> um, there's a lot of, I think a thing about the book, which they touch on in the movie, but like, have you read Moby Dick? No, but I I, I have in the sense that I studied literature. I, same. 
I didn't really study literature, but I'm, I've been around. Exactly. We've and, lived. We but, know there's whales. Mo Moby Dick is like, you go into it thinking like, dang, this is going to be about a guy fighting a whale. That's badass. But it's actually like 300 pages of the right whale's breeding pattern is mm -hmm. this. And it di its diet is primarily krill. They like, really tried to go Russian detail, but the Americans couldn't do it quite right. The, they could not be Tolstoy. The, it's, yes, it's like that. The, I feel like the book is like, in the movie, it's like, dang, he's so sexy and like eating this thing. In the book, it's like, he ordered this brand of caviar and this brand of champagne and they yeah. tasted like this, yeah. which is different than this other brand that normally tastes like this. Like, we don't need that. I do a little bit. It was, this is my, I would, honestly, I won't read A Gentleman in Moscow, but I will read Ian Fleming. Oh no, Gene, A Gentleman in Moscow is good. I read the first half of it. Ugh. I don't know how to book. do it. You, like, when you read Anna Karenina, you're, like, having a great time. You do have to learn about horses, though. And it's just because they go to a horse race, but it means you have to learn about, about horses. Horse. Okay, it's a little like this. Mm -hmm. The book. And then the movie, apparently, they fuck off to space. So yeah, I think... Yeah, it's going to be naked women. From what I remember from the book, James Bond is going to be playing cards with the villain for a little bit. And then they're going to talk about nuclear missiles... And I think he's actually going to get betrayed by the villain. He's friends with them. And then he stops a missile before it goes to space. Looks like he wasn't able to do it in the movie. But we're going to give it a watch. We'll see how it compares to the book. I hope what, he rides a missile. Like Dr. Strangelove? Yeah. Got it. I hope he does. We'll be back a little bit more shaken, a little bit more stirred to tell you what we think. And we're back. We made it. We watched all two hours and six minutes of Moonraker. That was a fucking second, huh? You get you get to probably like an hour and a half into the movie and you're like, aren't they supposed to go to space? Yeah, we were so far not into space for so much of this movie that I forgot what w was going on. There I thought it ended <laughs> at one point. Like, like, we had an end having sex scene, and then the guys, the paramedics that come up in a way that usually were expected to expect, like, the boat people that come yep. up to rescue them, end up kidnapping James Bond, and you're like, oh, wait, no, this movie is far from over. They gotta go to space. They gotta go to space. Le I think that, that piece of it alone ruined this movie for me. <laughs> it's just the knowledge that every time they're not going to space... I th I, they're wasting my time. He traveled like six times. <laughs> and he kept going like, I have an idea of where it's going to be next. I got to go to Venice. There's somewhere before Venice. Oh, well, he oh California. He goes to California first. And, and then, then he with the German guy. Was that in Germany or it looked like that was in die. It was in California. She said they brought every brick over from France. Oh. But I think they shot on location in Versailles. Oh, let's let's we'll get into that in a second. That's true. At a a brief at a high level. At a high at a high level, what's this movie about? Basically, a space shuttle goes missing, which we the audience know is because two dudes just took it. They it was being transported on the back of a plane, and it turns out they didn't turn off any of the engines. So naturally. Any two dipshits could just get in the space shuttle on the back of the plane and fly away with it. Which I don't know. I mean, I'm not an astrophysicist. No, you're not. 
I don't know how space, can you fly a space shuttle just kind of like a regular plane? I don't think so. I don't think you can just kind of like take it. Because it's, because it is built to go real, real high. Like, they I go, don't think it's made to just kind of hover. They're made to go up. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're made to go through our fucking atmosphere. And then they like kind of glide down. But they don't. I feel like it's controlled falling and they go like, down. I know there's wings on it, but I can't imagine like doing like a banking turn with a space shuttle. I don't think this passes a lot of Mythbuster tests. I think that's very true. Mm-hmm. So space shuttle goes missing. James Bond sent to investigate because the plane wreckage is found, but not the space shuttle. Uh-oh. Where'd this fucking space shuttle go? James Bond's on the hunt. He goes to California where Elon Musk, a.k.a. Hugo Drax is there. He's the Elon Musk of this movie. He builds all the space shuttles. He's got his own version of Versailles in California. He's got a bunch of random women all over the place. Exactly. And as soon as Bond arrives, he's a little suspicious of Drax. And for good reason, because at every point, Drax is sending people to murder him. Pretty obviously, at one point, they're shooting at pheasants and Drax just gets a guy to try to shoot James Bond. Like there's no, usually there's like a little sneaky trap. He just has a sniper. Yep. Try to take him out. James Bond at like noon, old, old Jimmy B just shoots the sniper and walks off. And Drax has nothing to say about it. They're just both very openly like, I don't trust you and I'm trying to kill you. And that's what our relationship is going to be. So we love honesty. We love honesty. So we're in California. Then while in California, Bond gets a lead from some blueprints. He finds that there's some special glass being made for Drax for some top secret project in Venice. So Bond goes to Venice. We love glass. And he is investigating this glass factory, finds a vial of a like nerve gas. A bunch of other stuff happens there that I won't bear to repeat. Basically, he figures out that in order to make this nerve gas, you need a very rare flower. Where's that rare flower found? Well, it's in the Amazon rainforest. Naturally. So James goes to Rio to have a little bit of fun, figure out where this flower is. And then through, I think, an elaborate set of coincidences involved. I wrote it down, actually. Let's see. Let's let's go verbatim what I wrote. Nerve gas is a flower from Amazon. James has river chase spy boat hang gliding crashes in jungle. Finds girl from glass factory in the middle of a remote jungle. Leads him to a temple. Temple is a secret lair slash rainforest cafe. All of the random women we've been introduced to so far are all there. Now there's an underwater python fight. So that's just, that's exactly what happens. And there's, that's not even, there's no filler to that. No, it's like straight up every single woman that we've seen at all in this film, whether it be when we walked into a museum in the middle of Venice. Because we were on to Every single woman was in that building. (laughs) We there was something about it. Because as we're watching this movie, they just keep introducing beautiful women, Mm -hmm. which normally means... James is going to have a little romantic tryst with them. But this time they introduce a beautiful woman and then they just vanish. Yeah, he wasn't fucking any of them. It's like, I'd like you to meet Sarah and Lisa. And they go, hi, James. Gone from the movie. 
until the in the middle of the jungle, he finds a temple full of them. All the ladies. Then he stands on a rock, and that rock was a trap, and just like kind of tosses him into a lake. And then a python crawls into the lake. He wrestles a python. So turns out this ancient like Incan temple where he fought the python is actually a launch hanger for a bunch of space shuttles and Drax is there and he is trying to send all the beautiful women to space and a bunch of dudes who we were never introduced to. They disappeared. They disappeared, trying to send them to space and create his new, like essentially eugenics master race of perfect people in space. And then he's going to use the nerve toxin from the flowers to kill everyone on Earth. But we, he says at one point he has 10 of these bomb things that will each kill 100 million people. But if you do the math on that, that's only 1 billion people of the at least 6 billion that were on Earth at that point. So Maybe he was just trying to do like a light reset. I mean, look, if you kill a billion people, something will change. It might have at least one butterfly effect. But he only has like 12 beautiful people <laughs> on his space station. They're going to have a lot of children. So it's six billion uggos versus mm-hmm. 12 pretty people. <laughs> kind of like our high school. Anyways, James Bond ends up getting on a space shuttle, goes to space, confronts Drax, fights him. Also, Jaws is in this movie. Jaws was in the last movie. The henchman with metal teeth who's unkillable. Yep. And they have a big laser fight with the U.S. Marines in space. And then Bond takes out the space station and chases down the three poison bombs that got launched prematurely and shoots those down and then has floating sex in a space shuttle while M watches and goes, 007. Naturally. That's the movie. That's like... That's it. The quickest speed run of it. That was good. Alex, what were some of your highlights? Some of my highlights. Great question. Thank you. It's almost like you asked me this every, every time. time. So I definitely some highlights, which was kind of unexpected, was this movie would randomly turn into like a horror movie. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We had a couple moments of we were introduced to a Bond girl who I enjoyed. She was just, I don't 100% remember. Oh, yeah. She was a pilot, worked for Pussy Galore, drove. What Not actually. Really? No, I just said that. Oh, man, I was... No, she just happened to be a pilot woman. Oh. I mean, it kind of worked. They had a similar look, look, vibe, mentality. They they were both hot pilots. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyways, but when she has her scene of, uh, obviously, she has to die because James must have a new Bond woman. Mm -hmm. She's, like, chased out by two dogs, but in a, like, misty... Epic, like, chase down. I Yeah, I wrote down, French pilot is dramatically and beautifully run down and eaten by dogs. Literally, in you know, like, horror movie. And then it did it again where we're watching a fun little festival, and then all of a sudden we notice that a clown mascot Diane, yeah. is just staring at the camera, and it's just a classic little it moment of it coming down the walkway about to attack this, like, woman. Let's, let's take those piece by piece, because those are both two of my highlights as well. Oh, yeah. I think the first scene with the dogs was both of these were insane in how long they were. They were extended. Like Drax had this pilot, pilot sleeves with James Bond. Of course, she has to die. We know. And then 
he goes like, your, your service is terminated immediately. And she starts to walk off. The German. Yes. And then the German's hench guy starts like letting the dogs loose. And then there's just a slow-mo, maybe three full minutes of just running slow-mo. Classroom music. like Beautiful haunting score. Mm-hmm. Misty forest. A ton, like all from like below. She's wearing like a white dress. Like the shoes come off. Like, like it's one of those. I felt like we were watching Last House on the Left. It was crazy. Crazy. And then she gets eaten by dogs. And you will see it. It's like fucking That's really violent. The second piece, we find out later it's Jaws, but in the carnival in Rio, there's a like nine foot tall clown monster slowly and ominously walking down an alleyway towards our Bond girl. And she keeps looking at it. And then it cuts back to James Bond doing, you know, something. Climbing a fucking building. Climbing a building. And then just slowly this clown lumbers down a dark Ba-bum. alleyway. Ba-bum. It's so spooky. It's a lot. And then the clown takes his head off and it's Jaws, which is even spooky. I thought that was amazing. I have to super shout out some of these fight scenes. Some of them are bad. But <laughs> the first one that is we're opening up to James on a plane having sex with a woman who ends up being a bad guy and they push him out of a plane and he has an epic plane fight and that's where Jaws is revealed. Oh, um, yeah. And you just watch these stunt dudes have actual kind of choreography while skydiving. That was and cool. it's pretty f- sick. Skydiving fist fight, all done practically for the best part. Pretty is very cool. Epic. Is very cool. And a great way to bring Jaws back. Also, just in general, highlight Jaws. Uh-huh. We get to have a love story with him. He falls in love with a hot German babe. That kind of comes out of nowhere. Right. Did anything happen between him in the gondola crap? No, sorry. There's two gondola, depending yeah. on what your definition of gondola is. We'll call this a cable car. Between the cable car crash, Jaws is in a cable car fight with James Bond. Cable car crashes into the cable car box control like, center. Yeah, thing. Which is also just a big ad for 7-Up for some reason. Oh, yeah. 7-Up sign explodes. Jaws gets out next to like a perfectly positioned bucket of 7-Up. And then just walks over to a blonde woman. Now the blonde woman comes over to him to try to save him. That's it, right? Yeah. Okay, that's She has no speaking lines in the film. Not one. Unless I missed it. She smiles at him. He smiles at her. Romantic music plays. Yep. And then it's just, it cuts to the next scene. That whole love affair is the reason what makes him like help James Bond in the end. It's true. Jaws, I think, series first, that who's not a woman. Yep. The hench. Someone that he that, does not have sex with. But because he had sex with another person, woman. maybe, <laughs> then Jaws ends up fighting for the good team. One of the highlights that I had that's also kind of a low light was. And this is crazy for me to say the gadgets in this film. Yeah. I normally love when there's a lot of gadgets. This one was there was a gadget every minute. A lot of it was the same gadget. A lot of it was the same. There was a spy car, a spy boat, and a very weird spy gondola that was just yeah. like picture, the, not a cable car, but this one's a Venetian gondola that. I didn't see Q explain. James Bond just kind of gets into a boat. I it, thought it was entirely random. It has a motor on it and then some other stuff. And then he presses a button and it levitates into a hovercraft. Yeah. 
but he's having this boat chase with it and it makes sense. And then it turns into a hovercraft and there's no more chase. They stop chasing him. But he's still moving. And then we just watch a scene of him driving a hovercraft gondola around Venice. And everyone freaking out. And everyone freaking out. That's it. Like there was no spy piece of that. Yeah, he just a little comedy bit. It was just played for comedy, which includes the highlight part, which was a pigeon double take. <laughs> Where they clearly edited a pigeon, like, looking once, twice, three times, and then it cuts to a person, like, absentmindedly spilling their drink as they're watching the gondola, and then to a dog doing a double take. And I was like, mm -hmm. what's happening? Everyone's got opinion. That was wild. I did, like, they had a lot of good one-liners in this one. That I think the past few Roger Moore films have been pretty one line or light. This one had a lot of good ones in it that I appreciated. I like Drax's lines. Yeah. Drax had some good lines. Drax also looks exactly like tall Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Like shockingly like Peter Dinklage, which makes me want to see a remake of this movie. But also maybe not. But yeah, too many gadgets. Too many gadgets for no reason. At one point, James Bond realized we haven't even talked about Holly Goodhead. First of all. Oh, yeah. Best name of the film. Holly Goodhead. She's a doctor and an astronaut and a CIA agent all at once. Is that her official name or is that her undercover name? Because she ends up revealing that she's a CIA agent. Well, she doesn't reveal it. James Bond figures it out by just fucking around with her stuff and yeah. showing her how they're all weapons. Yeah. She has two bottles of Dior. She puts one on and he picks up the other one. It's a flamethrower. No. He picks up her purse. It's a radio. Naturally. He like fucks with something else and it's lethal. Like her make her diary. Her diary shoots poison darts. And he just goes, huh, CIA standard issue. Standard? He knows Felix. I know, but everybody. Everyone has Everybody in the CIA has flamethrower Dior. Maybe. That's truly sauvage. Oh, oh, wait. Low light of the film for me, Dr. Holly Goodhead. Yeah. Uh, and mostly the fact that she didn't react to a single thing. She's not built to be an actress. No. She's beautiful. Yep. She's, I mean, it's about the end of it. She's a, she's a doctor, an astronaut, and a spy. How could I expect her to be an actress? You know? It's true. She's got a lot going on. We can't ask too much. She's for her. busy. She's booked and blessed. It's. Facts are facts. But She's too busy evading the creep that is James Bond. She was like in truly implausible situations and was not, was giving it nothing. No, nope. she was in no interest. She was in space. The space station's exploding. And she's like, oh, might as well, like, we should find the gravity, right? Yeah, maybe it's through here. <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, malfunction. Our spaceship's malfunctioning. Yeah. So yeah. that's actually going to be it. She said, dang, our spaceship's going to blow up in the atmosphere in like 30 seconds. So whatever you're doing. Guess you better figure that out. Yeah, figure it out. It doesn't matter to me, though. I love that she's very capable. I didn't love that she had no emotion about it. It's true. We love first Bond lady. I will say highlight, though, Bond yeah. ladies felt a little bit older, this film. That's good. Because low light. Roger Moore is old. <laughs> Roger Moore is looking tired. Highlight, no woman was hit in this movie. That's true. Do we want to look at how old Roger Moore was in this movie? Yeah, I'd love to know the Bond girl age. She's 51 in this. I don't want to Google Holly Goodhead age. No, there we go. Down. Born 47. 
So 40, 79 minus 47. You do that math. There's going to be two in there somewhere. It's 32. Wow. We love that. That's great. So, yeah, that was a definite highlight for me. 32-year-old Bond girl. I love that. Low light for me was that um, somebody watched Star Wars before this. I don't know. It just felt a little bit like we just reused all the sets. Well, I mean, um, everyone watched Star Wars before this. Yeah. It came out 77. Yeah. Became the biggest movie of all time. But it's like, do we need to use the same exact setup of Spaceship? Well, that that's interesting. That takes me to another low light is laser guns, yeah. which is crazy that I think that laser guns are a low light. But usual for you. At one point, James Bond shows up to like a monastery in the Amazon dressed like Clint Eastwood. I did not like that one. He was there and Q's showing off a man. One of his gadgets is just a homeless man that splits in half and is actually a gun. Yeah. <laughs> That's a highlight. Yeah. But that is a gadget. They're like, so we're dealing with that kind of whimsical bullshit. And then all randomly, he also just has a laser gun and they never talk about it again, which means when we go to space, laser. the U.S. Marines versus Drax's pretty boys in a all out laser fight. Which actually, the more I talk about it, the cooler it sounds. But it was just kind of like, it looks bad. They like at this point in the seventies, they figured out how to make gunfights look good. Yeah, they did not know how to do lasers. And I would ask them, it was just like flashing lights. I would ask them to just wait a little bit before they do that. Can you guys pause next time? Let's talk about the song. Big news. Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. Our girl is back. And her voice is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I wrote in my notes that she was not helped out by the title sequence. The visuals were lame as hell. Yeah, they were pretty underwhelming. Her song was good. It was pretty slow. And I was like, I love Shirley Bassey, but this is kind of whatever. And yeah. then we get to the end of the movie. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's a disco remix of it. It's and I'm true. all aboard. Also, that last note that she hit pre-movie was like pretty solid. I, I mean, she's incredible. She's true. an icon. Is it my favorite? No. Is it my least favorite? Definitely not. Definitely not. I thought it was really good. Who in this movie is your favorite character? Who do you want to see a movie all about? The person I would like to see a movie all about is the woman that he met in his hotel room that ended up getting held up by Jaws. Yeah, we didn't really get much about her. No. Other than she seemed like she knew her way around Rio and was down for a good time. Yeah, and I feel like it was, that could be kind of fun. How about you? That. I, I want to see a movie, and this is... This is a this is may, this is maybe a better TV series, mm. but I just want a show about Q Branch. Yeah, just like what are they up to? Who pitched the homeless man that splits in half and is a gun? I feel like they had to have been on acid. Like, there's a good Brooklyn Nine Nine style comedy mm -hmm. about Q Branch. There oh, has oh, to be, yeah, definitely. That's my pitch. Okay. I think I that'd be fascinating. So like Q and the research team, I would mm -hmm. love. What was your best Bond moment of the film? One of my best Bond moments, I would say, definitely with the lady that I said was my favorite. When he first sees her, he says, do you come with the room? 
So that's a pretty wild thing. Wow. Okay. I didn't even catch that. And then later says to her, don't talk to any strange men. And then uh, a giant cloud walks down an alleyway at her. And then he goes, I told you not to talk to any strange men. <laughs> I like that. I liked the one-liners in this one. When he fights the python, mm-hmm. he kills the python. And Drax was like, I thought you were a sporting man. Why did you kill my python? And he goes, I, I found out it had developed a crush on me, which is adorable. Adorable. There's the final fight confrontation with Drax is maybe the most one-linery back and forth thing ever Too much. in a James Bond movie. Drax pulls a gun on him and he's like, I can't wait to put you out of my misery. And then Bond shoots him with a poison dart and says, dang, I have to, I hate to leave you heartbroken. And then he pushes him out of airlock and says, one giant leap for mankind. Yep. And then Holly comes up and she goes, where'd Drax go? And he said he had to fly away. Together. Five back-to-back lines. I thought one of the smooth ones, he kisses Holly. Or no, she kisses him. And he says, what's that for? And she says, for saving my life. And he says, I should do that more often. Which I thought was kind of cute. So good. I like the entrance to him where James Bond's on his last leg. And, and it's him rubbing is. a leg. Mm-hmm. Going right up it. I also like the line from Drax, see that some harm comes to him. I thought yeah. that was good. I, oh, great Bond moment. I love when they, I mean, say what you will about the gadgets. I've already said what I will. But when they have these very elaborate purpose-built traps and gadgets that are just for one, there could be no other possible instance they would be used. The main one being a coffin on top of a gondola that has a knife thrower concealed within it, and the coffin has a bunch of knives in it. I mean, you say it's not used in here. And it has like a motorized knife case that pops. So like the coffin lid opens, knife case flips out, guy wakes up, grabs knives, starts throwing them. Too he much. Get, he gets killed in one second. Too much. Which <laughs> you got it. When they spent like eight weeks figuring out the mechanism that shoots the knives out and then he's in that movie for one minute and you're like, oh, all right. Oh, no, I have one more. Oh, yeah. I have one more crazy thing. Award for most British thing of the movie. Yeah. Not a person, but it is having their top secret footage say most secret. Oh, that was so good. That's so funny. And it's just flashing in the corner. This is most secret. Please, Demo 7, don't show anyone. Most it's secret. It's most secret. Please keep it to most secret. What do we call our most secret thing? Most secret, of course. What else would you fucking call it, man? That was so funny to me. Uh, Alex, what would you rate this movie? Out of ten. Go first, please. I'm going to give this movie five. Wow. I didn't like it that much. I thought it was a good time. Like, it's a five. I, mm-hmm. It's exact middle of the pack. Yeah. Okay. It is not terrible. It is not particularly good. But I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. And now it lives in my brain. I'm going to give it a six and a half. I like that. I feel like I have to give it credit for being unoffensive and just it, the worst part's being boring. So according to this, this movie is exactly as good as Dr. No. Dr. No is good, though. We might have to revisit all of our ratings once we've watched all of them. Yeah, most definitely. Because I feel like at the, the first one we were like, we, but also Dr. No is boring as fuck. It really was. So maybe. We don't know. But that's that's Moonraker. That's our thoughts. It was it was all right. I had a good time. I had a good time. Update after watching the whole movie. It's 
absolutely nothing like the book. No. Not a single thing. Yeah, I feel like they really take some liberties in these. I mean, they didn't go to space in the book, I don't think. I, I don't think there was a nerve gas flower. I don't really remember what the book's about, to be the honest. The laser fight was fucking crazy. They looked like they were just walking. <laughs> that was face. pretty bad. That was pretty bad green screen work to get that laser fight to happen. Also, how about when they just sent Jaws away? He just goes, he's 100 miles from Earth. He's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's Jaws, Jaws gets flung in like a part of an exploding space station. And Bond goes, we'll see them again. We're close enough to Earth. What? And so I'm trying to fucking this escape pod real quick. We don't have a boat. We're in space. We're they're close enough to Earth. Might as well. What you're saying is they're not on Earth. No, nope. which is where everything is. And they were propelling fast, fast. But they had champagne and love. That's true, and that's all you need, baby. Oh, that's all we have to say about Moonraker. Catch us next time for for your eyes only. A movie actually. we got actually this time, not like we were teased mm-hmm. in the last movie. This one's for real, for real. And for your eyes only is almost our halfway point. Whoa. We are two movies away from being halfway through all of the James Bond movies. That's insane. Which I feel like is honestly a nothing sentence. No, we have a lot to go. There's so much. I, it'll be so much faster, though, once we get to, to movies we point. like. <laughs> I like this. I like this too. That's good. Stay tuned to find out what happens next. Kisses. Bye.